morning, good afternoon, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Molecule to Market. I'm your host, Roman Tagal, and in today's episode, I'll be talking about the pharma and biotech supply chain with Grant Merrill, President and CEO at AES Clean Technology. Grant is a really interesting guy with a you know fantastic background and just an all-round nice bloke, actually. Uh, Grant has been involved with clean room design and construction for over 25 years. He earned his BS in mechanical engineering from Cornell University and then immediately entered the world of critical facilities and the mechanical systems that support them. After a successful career in the industrial HVAC engineering business, Grant joined the AES team 20 years ago. Today, he is the president and CEO of the company and leads a multidisciplinary team to deliver complex clean room facilities to clients throughout the life science industry. I have to say it was really quite fascinating to get an insight into clean rooms like probably many of you I've been on the inside of clean rooms many times uh, you know seeing either production going on or just uh, admiring the <laughs> the amazing craftsmanship that goes into the design and construction uh, of one of these beautiful facilities and so it was a real honor to speak to Grant and kind of understand just the effort and thought and work that goes into creating those facilities. He talks today about the kind of need for clean rooms uh, to work in an invisible way uh, as the most kind of critical uh, core part of any facility, which I thought was really, really interesting. Obviously, COVID and the demand for vaccines has uh, really put pressure on clean room space and manufacturing space. And Grant talks about how that's impacted the AES business. He also talks about the different types of clean rooms. Again, this is not something I'm certainly an expert on, but found it very educational to just have an understanding of, of the different types of options for companies out there and you know how things used to be versus the kind of more modern uh, modular clean rooms that we get uh, these days. I was also really interested to hear some of the kind of new therapeutic areas that uh, Grant you know says are you know d- d- very much driving market growth and in particular why this CMO space is, is poised for uh, growth both in drug substance and drug product which will be music to the ears of many of uh, you people. There's also just some uh, more simpler things. Uh, I loved uh, Grant talks about uh, his, uh, you know, just being able to communicate and build relationships and how important those aspects have been uh, in the development of his own career. Genuinely, really lovely conversation. It was my absolute honor to interview Grant and I hope you get a lot from today's episode. As always, thank you for listening. Uh, you are my friend and I appreciate you very much. Please do me a favor and go on to your app store or in a platform of choice and give us a kind rating and maybe share with a colleague. We're seeing uh, the kind of listenership of our podcast molecule to market continue to grow, which is awesome. Uh, and that's down to you guys being so kind. So please keep being kind and I'll keep being your friend. Just kidding, enjoy today's show, bye.
We are supported by ZineWire, which is the leader in actionable sales intelligence for life science business development professionals. In fact, thousands of life science BD professionals start their day with sales signals from ZineWire. And our friends at ZineWire are giving Molecule to Market listeners an exclusive deal. Just head to zinewire.com forward slash Molecule to Market to learn more. Hey, Grant, welcome to the show. Hello there, Ramon. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure, Grant. Great to great to have you here as a, as a guest. And Grant, just to just to start off with, it'd be great to give our listeners a bit of an overview of you, uh, what you do at AES, and also your background. Right, like how did you get into the sector, and you know, tell us about your journey to date. No, that'd be great. Thanks for the opportunity. So I'm currently the president and CEO of AES Clean Technology, uh, starting my 21st year here at AES. And um, for the seven years prior to my joining AES, they were my client. Uh, I was an engineer in the industrial HVAC business prior to coming to AES and uh, helped AES design HVAC systems into their clean room facilities for the first seven years of my career. So I've been touching this business since I came out of college. So a uh, mechanical engineer by training, spent my time at Cornell University studying mechanical engineering, specifically focused on uh, thermodynamics and heat transfer and things of that nature that, that took me into the industrial HVAC business and, and then on to AES. So uh, it's been a great 20 years uh, watching and helping this business grow. Um, you know, really, my background is is problem solving. I mean, that's what that's what uh, engineering school teaches you. And and uh, certainly, I still consider myself a problem solver. It's just different problems that I'm solving today uh, than I was uh, early in my engineering career. And for all you know, for all, for our listeners that have not come across AES before, tell us more about the company, you know, what do you guys actually do and just to give everyone a bit of a flavor? Of course. So our core business is designing and building high performance facilities, uh, specifically clean room facilities and specifically for the pharmaceutical biotechnology medical device sector. So, and, and we leverage uh, modular technology as a solution to help us deploy clean room facilities for our clients quickly under clean conditions and really delivering repeatable performance is, is ultimately what we do. So, so we're in the business of creating the manufacturing space, the critical clean core of the facility where our customers produce their treatments or their medical devices. So our business is, is protecting the product or protecting the personnel who might be manufacturing the product if the product is, is uh, unsafe in some way, that being a potent compound or some elements of biologic manufacturing, where we're not only trying to protect the product while it's being manufactured, but we may be protecting the people as well who are working in the facility. And so, uh, you know, at the end of the day, our, our core business is is creating that home so that uh, our clients can can uh, allow their science to flourish. Uh, we we recognize that that the science behind these treatments that is that is changing medicine is is 
the true innovation. But that that innovation can't happen without a proper wraparound facility that protects what's going on uh, in, in with the GMP manufacturing. So so we recognize our our position uh, in the overall process of being, bringing medicine to market. And and why we do what we do is we're here because the patient needs that treatment. And we try to remind ourselves every day that uh, you know, we're focused heavily on facility solutions and all the technical elements around them, the commercial solutions and schedule of creating facilities. But, but our facilities are, are there to support a patient getting a much needed treatment from our clients. And so that's really what we're grounded in. Great. Thanks for that. And I am going to ask more questions about clean rooms and let you geek out over that in a few, in a few minutes, Grant. But Great. one thing I was going to ask you is, you know, you've been at AES for, I believe, 20 years now. And when you joined that business in 2001, uh, having obviously already worked you know, with the business uh, previous to that, one, did you ever envisage that you'd still be there 20 years later? And did you also envisage that you'd be running the company one day? Or did you never dare to, to dream either of those things? Yeah, great question. Uh, I, I, the answer is yes to both of those. Um, you know, I was because AES was my client uh, for the first seven years of my career. I learned a lot about the clean room business by being a partner to the company, and I really saw uh, and was excited by the technical challenges that uh, the company helps clients solve. And uh, when I made the transition from my prior company to join AES, that was a massive life change for me. And my wife, who's my best friend um, and, and confidant, said, you know, if you could wave a magic wand, uh, what company would you go work for? And immediately I answered, I would go work for AES. And, and, uh, and the, the follow-on question was, well, why? Well, AES does the right things their clients are transforming medicine. I want to be a part of that. And I most certainly, when I made that transition, uh, imagined myself retiring here. And so um, it's been exciting to be a part of the company for as long as I have, and I'm excited about what's ahead of us. Uh, in terms of, of the role that I've, uh, I've uh, moved into here with the company, uh, I always dreamed of leading the company. Um, and, uh, you know, my goal always was to build relationships both in the company and outside the company uh, to help us better our mission. And uh, uh, I, I had some great mentors along the way that taught me about not only the science and the, and the business, uh, but also uh, the people. And, and, you know, I think what I come back to is is just core values of, of integrity and and uh, I'm just grateful to, to be leading this company of, you know, 300 plus people. Um, it's, a, it's a huge responsibility. I think of it as 300 families that we're responsible for supporting. And, and not only that within the business, but I think about all of the patients in the world that need the treatments that uh, our clients will deliver to them. And, and it's our job to, to build facilities that, that protect that process. And so we take that very seriously and uh, just um, I'm proud to be a part of it for sure. Uh, that's great. I love, um, 
I love the kind of narrative in there around, you know, you've you know, you dreamt of working for AES and wanted to work for AES and you've ended up not only doing that, but becoming the person that runs that business and is ultimately responsible for the people and, and families, as you said, which I think is a great, uh, you're a really, really lovely story. And, and it's been, uh, you know, from what I've seen, a great growth story as well. And and you mentioned kind of on a couple of occasions, kind of the, the way your kind of clean rooms enable scientific innovation and, and actually um, help get patients to market, uh, sorry, products to market for, for patients. And talk us through... You know, I've I've personally been in lots of clean rooms. I find them personally actually very peaceful as places. If there's yes. not too much <laughs> noise going on there, yes. I kind of want to get my yoga out and start meditating in there. Yeah. There's something really quite quite peaceful. But you know that we you know our, our listeners are typically in this space and both on the uh, kind of drug development side, but also the vendor side. You know, talk us through the journey of of a company. Um, you know wanting to commission a clean room or build a clean room. You know, I, I, my guess is, hey, we're pulling up you know, a new facility in you know, wherever it is in the world. And I'm guessing the clean room is going to be one of the most important components, if not the most important, important component of, of that kind of, uh, of that project. So what is, you know, what does that look like? And, you know, from in, in previous roles, I know there's different types of clean rooms like modular, stick build and things like that. It'd be great to talk through kind of what the options look like and where where companies should start because I think it's a really it's one of those things in this sector which they're almost they're almost taken for granted. Yes. <laughs> how yes. how unbelievably but yet they're so unbelievably fundamental to everything, particularly on the on the drug production side of things. But yeah, please Please give us an insight into what that looks like and, and what options are out there for, for companies. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think the, the point you made at the very end there, I think, is, is an important one I'd like to start with. And that is the clean room facilities really, in our view, they need to be invisible. They need to work. They need to work all the time under all circumstances. But ultimately, we want our client focused on making product. They, and safely and repeatedly. And so if we do our job right, that clean room is completely invisible to the client. And so our job is to create the facility, uh, execute it in a way that it's easy to maintain and, and continue, continuously does what it's supposed to do. Because uh, we, we need that facility to be up at all times. So that's really our, our focus. And, and if, if we're doing our job, uh, the client can really just stay focused on, on making product. So I think when we, when we talk about a clean room facility, you're absolutely right. It is the core of the operation. It's the most critical square footage in the building. It is the most difficult to execute. It's the highest performance element of the client's facility. And so um, the best projects are those that begin with the end in mind and start with the clean room facility development. So we get engaged very early on with our clients. Sometimes they have a white sheet of paper and they have an idea. And it's our job to create in, in, on paper 
a facility that can wrap around their process. And from there, we build out uh, from the clean room facility to all its supporting infrastructure, whether that be laboratories and warehousing and uh, locker rooms and, and office integration. But all of those other things are there to support the clean manufacturing. So the most successful projects really begin with uh, the core and start with the core in, in terms of, of the development of the overall program. And that, that's what we do all day long. That's all we do is focus on the, the clean room core. And of course, this is in the context of a regulated environment, right? So these are facilities that need to uh, pass muster with the global regulatory agencies in order for the client to be able to produce product there. And so we spend a lot of time uh, looking at the way that people and materials and product flow through the facility so that the client can repeatedly guarantee uh, the, the, the safety and the efficacy of what they're manufacturing there. And, and many of our clients are producing sterile products, so sterility is critical. And so the clean room creates that environment, uh, tight control of temperature, humidity, cleanliness levels, and even pressurization as we pressurize the space to protect the product. So um, when you talk about technology, Certainly, the way that clean rooms are designed and built today is dramatically different than they were, you know, in the 1960s when they were first developed uh, for the military and in the aerospace applications. And so uh, AES Clean Technology started to deploy modular solutions uh, in the late 90s as that technology uh, was evolving, where we basically take the clean room facility where it would traditionally be built, uh, one would call it stick-built construction, where that might have been built similar to how an office is built today or how a home is built today, where you have structural framing, you apply drywall to that framing, uh, and then you apply a finish to that architecturally. And that's a very dirty process. It's very, very manual. Um, uh, it's very subject to the to the whims of that individual installer on that given day. And we recognized early on that a clean room facility is a precise place. It should be precise architecturally. It should be precise mechanically. And so uh, modular technology basically takes the, the architecture, the walls and ceilings and doors and windows, and we manufacture those under controlled conditions in a factory environment in our manufacturing facility where we create the clean room in our facility and we kit it up. We, we flat pack ship it like a, a kitted piece of furniture and we ship it to the site with our smart people. And then we, we construct or install that facility in its, in its final resting place at our client's uh, host building. And all of that's done under clean conditions. So we know the clean room starts clean, it's going to end clean and it'll be operated clean. So it's that type of technology that we leverage in, in our, our solutions to clients. And not only does it give us clean, precise results, but, it, but it's very predictable. So our clients know exactly what the facility will be when we're done. And that's very important in a regulated environment because it reduces their risk. At the end of the day, our, our job is to reduce our clients' risk. And, and the technology we deploy is, is a tool that we use to, to address that. 
That's it's super interesting, actually, the, the amount of thought that goes into the whole process. And I love some of the language you use around that being the the core of your facility and and the preciseness that goes into it all. And it it is it's a really fascinating part of it for anyone involved in in you know in, in drug drug production. And you mentioned obviously back in the sixties and you know how things have moved on a lot since then. What about in the last 20 years then, Grant, in your time with AES, is is the technology that you guys are deploying today, is that what you guys were doing 10, 20 years ago, you know, notwithstanding you know, improvement in, in some form of innovation? Um, and is, is the type of thing that you guys do, is that the thing that's the kind of the norm, if you like, in the sector and actually what what companies look for now, this kind of um, I don't want to call it flat pack because that kind of really <laughs> undermines yeah. the precision. Yeah. But the the way you describe that is that is that typical and irrespective of whether you're doing, you know, a small clean room or a large clean room, is it kind of does it work for all sizes, so to speak? Yeah, it's a great question, Ramon. I mean, certainly there has been evolution uh, in the industry. However, uh, still to this day. There are clean room facilities built out of drywall uh, traditional construction, um, which is is um, it's amazing to me. It's it's hard to comprehend that that um, you know to build a clean room facility out of dirty construction methods that that really aren't repeatable is it's surprising, but it certainly happens. And and so uh, there are, there are portions of the industry that haven't evolved yet, but uh, most certainly. Um, you know the the modular solutions that are are helping to to innovate in the industry are are certainly uh, uh, growing and taking more hold in the industry. There is uh, another element of modular uh, clean room construction that uh, is also prevalent in the market, and that is building facilities in three dimensions in a factory environment and and shipping. That, that fully assembled three-dimensional entity uh, to, uh, from the plant environment to its final resting place. And so that, that technology is being considered by some clients. Um, and uh, certainly those are the two ends of extreme ends of the spectrum of, of how facilities can get executed. And our solution, we believe, is a sweet spot. It's a middle ground that leverages the flexibility uh, and the ability to make late changes to the facility because our clients, many of them, don't know exactly what they need at the time that they engage in the project. And so uh, we believe that our approach uh, represents a, a middle ground that, that's flexible. We can make changes to the very end and adaptable, um, but we still leverage the benefits of, of using a controlled environment in a factory to create the facility. And so we get the benefits of, of predictable finishes. And, uh, but we believe that middle ground is, is allows us to be the most nimble and be the most applicable in, in any application. To your point earlier, small, large, uh, doesn't matter uh, from, from the standpoint of the size of the facility. There, there are some projects that we execute that may be just a few rooms to help a client uh, wrap around a clean process that might be a thousand square feet all the way up to hundreds of thousands of square feet of bulk biologics manufacturing. And so really size 
is can be accommodated in any way, configuration in any way. Um, and, and I think a really important factor that, that many clients don't think about, especially young companies that are, uh, maybe this is their first GMP manufacturing facility, is the host building. The building where this clean room facility will ultimately reside is, a, is an absolutely critical aspect of the, of the decision making. Uh, is the facility appropriate? Is it capable of receiving the clean room facility? Does it have the proper infrastructure? Uh, can it support the GMP manufacturing? Can it be laid out properly so that materials and people can flow safely and effectively through the facility? If it's a multi-tenant building, as, as some of our clients uh, occupy, are the other tenants uh, possibly negatively impacting what you're trying to accomplish in the, the clean room core? Uh, so there's a lot of factors that, uh, that it's our job to help counsel our clients to make good decisions on, you know, not only on the clean room facility, but the, but the host building that it will ultimately sit in. Because many of our clients are not building a brand new building from scratch. Uh, certainly the ones that do have the, have the flexibility to create it exactly as they need it. But there are many companies that are looking at existing space um, and, and uh, there's a lot of factors that, that need to be considered to make sure it's appropriate to receive the, the, the clean room, which is you know, the most intense from an infrastructure standpoint. You're listening to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector the podcast for professionals working in the pharma and biotech contract services space. We are supported by ZymeWire, which is the leader in actionable sales intelligence for life science business development professionals. In fact, thousands of life science BD professionals start their day with sales signals from ZymeWire. And our friends at ZymeWire are giving Molecule to Market listeners an exclusive deal. Just head to ZymeWire.com forward slash molecule to market to learn more. You mentioned a couple of things that I wanted to pick up on Grant. You know, you mentioned at the start, obviously steriles and you know biopharma and and obviously you know without laboring the point, but obviously COVID vaccines as well. And I'm guessing with all of the trends in the market in terms of all those three areas and what's driven growth in the last 18 months. Is that that's presumably had a knock-on effect for for an organization like yours, whereby the demand for clean rooms is presumably going up. And I'm, I'm curious just to hear you validate that is, is one thing, but also just whether or not you're seeing different types of clean rooms. And what I mean by types is size of clean rooms coming into demand, because you know, a lot of guests that we've had, had on have talked about smaller batch sizes and you know the, the kind of move towards kind of uh, more personalized medicines where you might not be producing millions of something but actually thousands so uh, you know very interested to know whether that's uh, kind of found its way into your part of uh, the kind of supply chain in terms of its its impact in the specification in which you're being asked to to produce projects and design and, and build clean rooms there's no doubt and no doubt at all uh, for certainly the the growth in vaccine manufacturing uh, and especially due to the the pandemic 
was was instant and and significant. Uh, certainly in in uh, drug product manufacturing and and drug drug substance manufacturing, uh, we we were privileged to participate in in a number of major projects uh, that are are delivering COVID vaccines to patients today, and uh, we're we're grateful for you know being a part of that process, creating a facility where our clients are producing those those life-changing treatments. That must be an amazing sense of pride. You feel that, you you know, the vaccine's going into your family or my family or, you know, listeners, the nearest and dearest are, is a good chance they're made in one of your clean rooms, which I imagine is an incredible uh, honor. It really is, and it's interesting because you know I don't I don't talk a lot socially with with friends and so forth. I don't talk a lot about the details of our business. It's it's quite technical, and um, even family members, uh, you know, haven't really you know had the opportunity to to really dig deeply into what we do. But uh, unfortunately, the COVID pandemic is a level setting event for the entire globe, right? It's, it's common language. It's, it's, it's a discussion point that, um, you know, now people have a better understanding of vaccines, of drug development, of, of critical manufacturing, of supply chain, right? And so this is the world we've been living in for my 20 years and for, as a company, 35 years. And uh, so now, you know, we we become part of this this national effort or global effort, really, to to fight the pandemic. So it, it's been it's been really humbling for us. Um, it's great for our employees who work hard every day and may be really focused on one element of the project. And um, it's just great for us to zoom out and and really come back to why do we do this well here's this is a really important why we're saving people's lives from this dreadful pandemic um, and and by no means do we take uh take the credit for the science that's been developed by brilliant uh folks in the industry uh, we're just helping them repeatedly produce and uh it, which is important and so Yes, it's 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 great to to be a part of that. Uh, we certainly anticipate growth in that market, um, and uh, yeah, I think we're well positioned as a business, you know, based on our experience and our solutions to to support the growth of vaccines. We certainly anticipate more domestic manufacturing within the North American market, which is really where we focus, and. Um, you know, I think to your to your point earlier, uh, you know, growth areas that we see most certainly um, advanced therapy medicinal products, ATMPs, um, also known as cell therapy treatments, uh, gene therapy, immunotherapy, even tissue therapies. Uh, these are absolutely areas of of extreme growth, and um, you know, for, as someone who has been touched too many times in my life by cancer diagnoses in my family. Um, you know, I, I, I'm excited to be a part of uh, the folks who are trying to beat cancer. And uh, we have a lot of clients that are with really smart people 
that are chasing that dream. And, you know, we're proud to be creating facilities to, to let that science flourish. And, and a good bit of that is, is personalized treatments. Um, I, I had the privilege of working on the first FDA approved cell therapy uh, uh, treatment for, for prostate cancer that, that was back in the mid two thousands. And, um, you know, just, just, that's really where I, I, I learned the cell therapy business and, um, that particular company paved the regulatory pathway for many, many companies to follow with, with, uh, autologous treatments, um, cell therapy treatments and, and really enabled that, that industry to blossom and it's 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 amazing um you know the treatments that are being developed to 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 address really truly unmet medical needs and so that that market for us is 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 a really important part of our future and and we certainly built the last 15 years helping some of the pioneers in that market uh, get their treatments out to patients Oh, it's great to get your perspective on that, Grant, in terms of the different growth areas and therapeutic areas in the market. I'm sure a lot of listeners will absolutely uh, empathize with what you said there around you know, cancer and, and how these uh, new medicines are going to help people that are uh, you know, very much uh, going to help those that are very close to all of us, which I think is, is an amazing thing. And I want to switch gears slightly, Grant, and talk about uh, kind of leadership and um, you know, you're, you're a you're a technical guy and an engineer by trade that has has kind of uh, you know worked his way, if you like, up the ladder and to becoming the CEO of uh, of a you know 300 person plus business in the sector, which is an incredible you know, phenomenal achievement. And what what piece of advice would you have for other people, especially like technical leaders that come from a technical background that are learning? the ropes of business and commercial and sales and all the other areas that I suspect you're not, you know, you're not taught during an engineering degree. Um, what advice would you have for those people? And many of which, you know, listen to the, to the podcast. Yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting question. And, and it, it makes me think back to, you know, when I was very young, my grandfather was very influential in my life, a uh, really strong figure. One I, I certainly looked up to. And some of his early advice to me as a student was that uh, no matter how smart you are, no matter how great your ideas are, you have to be able to communicate them. And so success, in my view, comes from not only the hard work and, and the, the innovation, but the ability to communicate, both speaking and writing. Because, uh, you know, many successes have been prevented by a lack of communication or, or an inability to communicate an idea. And so certainly that's the advice that when I look back on, you know, my engineering training, very heavily focused on problem solving, uh, which, is, which is a wonderful tool. And it, it built a mental muscle for me that, that I've relied on for my whole career. But it's that advice that I got from my grandfather and, 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 you know, certainly the focus that I gave to really think about how important communication is, not only in communicating among your, your, your peers and your colleagues, but, but how, do you, how do you inspire, how do you communicate ideas? Um, that, that's really what I think is, is a true leader, is, is someone that, that really focuses on that. 
Oh, I think that's terrific, terrific advice and kind of so simple, but that kind of, it's a magical ability to be able to communicate ideas. And I think that's a, that's a terrific point. And if you could go back, Grant, and give uh, the 25-year-old version of yourself some advice, what, what would you say to him? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, that's a tough one. I mean, I think um, the what I've really learned through business, and, and I believe it'll be this way 50 years from now, uh, is that, you know, relationships drive business. And if you focus on relationships and building strength uh, between personal strength between yourself your partners, your clients, your employees, uh, make it personal because it is personal, right? And um, no matter how um, innovation transforms the way things get done, we still communicate with one another. We still have fellowship with one another. Uh, we still work in harmony. And so um, I, I would say definitely uh, look back on those early years of my career and say, focus on the relationships and uh, and strengthen them and build build a, a business on relationship and you'll be successful yeah I, I mean i could not agree more with that that point i mean in my own career it's something i've been fortunate to do without ever thinking about it and you know and i my, my career in business and it has thrived on the back of actually just being able to make connections and build relationships in a in an authentic way and it's it's such a simple thing to do but if it's something that doesn't come naturally to you being able to work on that is such a such a invaluable kind of tool that'll that'll serve you well in in life and and you you mentioned a little bit earlier that your your best friend was your wife so uh how would your wife describe you in in three words grant oh, oh great question so i think i think the, the first one um, she would, she would say lovingly, but she would say restless. And, uh, not only in my business life, my athletic life, my personal life, I am ref restless uh, because I'm, I'm driven. I, I, you know, I want to make a difference in, in my family. I want to make a difference in our business. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit cliche. You hear folks work hard, play hard. Um, but that's certainly how I operate and, and I sleep hard too, by the way. So when my head hits the pillow, it's, it's, it's over, um, thankfully. And, uh, that's how I recover from, you know, a, a hard day. And, uh, but certainly, you know, being driven, I think is, is kind of the first theme that, that she might say. Um, and, and I certainly treating people with kindness is, is something that uh, is just that's that's who I am, um, you know, and and that's that's not always easy, you know. The business world is is a challenging place, uh, met with tremendous conflict on a daily basis. But you know, I I start with you know the, the treat people with kindness, treat people the way that you would like to be treated, and. Um, you know, you're going to, you're going to succeed and you'll, you'll, you'll work your way through conflict and solve problems. And so, um, you know, I think, I don't think uh, success in business and kindness are exclusive. Uh, I think you can, you can be successful in both. And so 
um, I would say that's certainly another description of, of how I like to live my life. And I, and I absolutely agree again with, with your sentiment there is they don't, you don't, just because you're a success in business, you don't have to be a bad person <laughs> or anything like yes. that. I mean, far from it. Uh, yes. I think, you know, go back to what you said about relationships and making things personal. I think if anything, uh, being able to uh, build chemistry with a partner or a client is is just as important as capability at times. And I think that's a, that's a great point. And we have a last few minutes to, to of your time. And we've already talked a bit about some of the kind of bigger things going on in the market right now um, in terms of kind of uh, the trend towards um, kind of the demand for clean rooms, if you like, and, and where the pockets of kind of growth are coming from. Um, you know, if you're a bit of a crystal ball moment of, you know, but for our listeners that are, you know, you know, looking ahead to 2022 and beyond in the, particularly in the outsourcing space where, where we, you know, this podcast focuses on and where the majority of our listeners, um, you know, spend their day jobs doing. Are there any other kind of trends or predictions or thoughts that you've got? I understand, for example, you work with uh, lots of CDMOs and you have done for many years. So any insight, not specific client names, obviously, but anything, the things that you guys are seeing that you, or that you expect to see in the future uh, that might impact the, you know, our listeners, businesses and, and roles? Absolutely. I mean, certainly the contract manufacturing space is poised for growth. Uh, there's certainly a demand, uh, tremendously increasing demand and a concern for existing capacity in the marketplace, not only for development of drug substance, but also drug product. And so we most certainly see opportunity for expansion in that marketplace. And uh, our business is a good fit for that. That's why we've done work for so many CDMO entities in the past and will continue to do so. And what I love about that market space is it's a business model that is interested in publicizing what it does. Unlike many of our clients who are developing novel treatments that we work on a facility and we can never speak of it ever again because of the proprietary nature of what goes on there. And so those are great projects for us to be a part of and, and we're proud of what we've done behind the scenes. But for the, the CDMO space where we actually become a, a tool for them to sell their capabilities to the marketplace. And so our facility, which is a high performing asset that is, will repeatedly perform for them, is a selling feature for that for their business. And not to mention that the facility is beautiful. It, it is, uh, it, the layout is appropriate. We have maximum use of, of window detailing to allow the client to tour their clients. And so, um, you know, the CDMO space is a really natural fit for the technology that we deploy, for the capabilities that we have in-house, and, and certainly our willingness to invest in our client's success not only in, in helping them create the facility, but also to, to, to communicate about it, whether that be uh, joint uh, case studies in the marketplace for 
um, you know, within industry organizations to talk about uh, and present the, the the unique features of the facility and, and the aspects that uh, that really make it unique. Um, even to the point of pursuing, um, you know, facility of the year awards or other industry recognition that, uh, you know, w w we're willing to support. And so um, it's the, the CDMO space is, is one that uh, we see tremendous growth potential and also just a great fit for us as a company. No, that's great. Really good insight. And, uh, you know, hopefully from your interview today you'll you'll have um a couple knocking on your door <laughs> interested interested yes, to know we'd be happy knowing more. and i have to say you know it's fascinating i i believe right from memory you're the first business of your type that we've ever had on the podcast so i think it's a it's a it's a really interesting a kind of deeper dive you know literally into the facility that many of our guests you know operate on it on a day-to-day -day basis and it's fascinating to know some of the insights uh, of what you know the thinking and the technology and the innovation that goes behind uh, as you said the core of the facility and how important that is and you know i love some of the language you've used around you know how what you guys do enables these companies and you know, let it's the science flourish and you know, particularly for CDMO businesses, they make their money in the bit you build, right? And so, they do. Think, they do. You know, that's it is to, to your point the most uh, kind of crucial, critical square foot of the facility, which I think is uh, is yeah. So I'm so glad that we've been able to do this, Grant, and and you know, managed to get you on the podcast. And you know, I, I very much hope that our guests, uh, sorry, our um, uh, listeners, reach out to you. I certainly encourage them to do so. It's been yes, great to get you. to know you as well. So thank you for, for being a guest on, on Molecule to Market. Uh, this has been a great discussion. Thanks thanks for the opportunity, Ramon. Great talking with you. You too. Hi again. Thanks so much for tuning in to Molecule to Market. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can find more shows on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. Get in touch with us on our website, moleculetomarketpod.com and follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter, and we will see you again next week. You're listening to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector. The podcast for professionals working in the pharma and biotech contract services space. Molecule to Market is sponsored and funded by Remarketing an international content, digital, and design agency that helps companies get noticed, raise profile, and generate leads in life sciences.